welcome to the Club and Country Podcast. We are the podcast of record for Nashville SC coverage from two people who've covered the club longer than anyone in the respective disciplines. And this week, there are three of us. I'm Wes Bowling, joined by Tim Sullivan and a special guest, the most prominent acquisition of the offseason for Nashville SC, central midfielder Sean Davis. Sean, thanks for joining us. Wes and Tim, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Excited to uh, chat with you guys. Awesome to get to connect. A brief bio for those listeners who are still getting to know Sean. It's the eighth season in MLS for the former Duke Blue Devil. Although once you're a Blue Devil, you're always a Blue Devil, I suppose. <laughs> yep, uh, but his first season outside New Jersey, 182 matches for New York Red Bulls, 48 of them as the club's captain. And Sean took the field for every minute last season in New York, leading MLS in interceptions, ranking third in tackles. Sean, i got to tell you, during the latter stages of last season, we identified you on this podcast as somebody who'd be a great addition to this club. So surely listening to us say that last year is what persuaded you to come to Nashville, right? Yeah, without a doubt. I think it persuaded not only me, but the club. So it's uh, <laughs> I'm lucky that you guys uh, were on my side. And um, yeah, thanks for recognizing that early. If only we had that kind of power, Sean. If only. <laughs> uh, we'll ask you, though, a little bit in, in just a minute about that decision-making process to leave home for Nashville. But first, how have you fit into the team so far, and how has that transition compared to your expectations? Yeah, uh, you know, for me, it's gone really well. Uh, personally, I'm really happy. Um, you know, you guys hear this all the time, but it's just a great locker room, uh, easy for new players to walk into. And uh, so I was really fortunate to have a full preseason, you know, at different times with trades or new acquisitions, you know, that could happen mid-season. So I was really fortunate to have a full preseason with the group. Um, you know, I think that was really important for me uh, personally, not only from a soccer standpoint, but just connecting with the guys off the field as well. And so, um, you know, now I feel like I'm in a really good place. Uh, you know, obviously it's, it's never kind of a finished process and every day I'm connecting more and more with the team in different ways with the staff and, um, you know, for, again, for me, it's it's just gone as well as I could have imagined. Of course, from a results standpoint, uh, it is a results-based business. And, uh, you know, I'd be even better if we uh, picked up a few more points within those first four games. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I really can't complain. It's been great and a uh, super easy transition. And that's a credit to uh, the staff at the club, the players, of course. And, um, you know, it's just been really easy for me. I want to talk a little bit about how the on-field transition has gone for you. Obviously, it was a little bit different under Gerhard Struber. You guys were a little bit more multiple, I guess you could say, last year. But it's already this season been probably more, more different formations and implementations of personnel than you had prior to Struber's time at Red Bulls, yeah. basically the whole time. So what has it been like not only hopping into a new team, but kind of having to have a slightly altered role week to week for these first four weeks of the season? Yeah, for sure. And I think... Um you know, in working with the group and working with the staff, uh, you know, one thing that they valued a lot for, for at least me coming into the team. And also when you look at the entire roster is that experience in MLS. And so I was really fortunate uh, during my seven years at Red Bull to play in a number of different formations, to grow up a bit, um, to experience um, different roles within the team. And so I think that helped me a lot, you know, even thinking about that first Seattle game where, you know, we, we worked on a couple of different formations in preseason. And then, um, you know, in our last preseason game, we looked at five in the back and then decided it was best to um, go with a, a four-man back line and kind of a diamond shape in the midfield. And, you know, I just remember telling Gary that I had a lot of experience uh, playing at the side of the diamond um, for Red Bull. And so I was really comfortable with it. And I think that, um, 
first game in, in Seattle was a really strong performance. So, you know, I'm happy to, to help the team in, in any way possible. I, I really mean that when I say that. And so um, I don't mind where I am on the field. You know, if, if the staff and the players believe that I'm going to help the team, then I'll play anywhere possible. So um, I think that it's been uh, it's been good for us as a group to experience those different formations and, um, you know, have different tools in the toolbox, um, as they say. And so we have different looks that we can adjust um, to, whether that's in-game, before-game. And, you know, I think you guys saw that with the performance against Salt Lake um, last week. We believe you when you say that you're in this to help the team first and foremost, of course. At the same time, you are accustomed to playing every minute of every match, as you did last year. So how do you view that partnership and slash competition, really, with Dax and Anibal when you know that not every match you're going to be in that diamond where all three of you are going to get on the pitch? You've got two established veterans who are respected, who I'm sure you get along with very well, but but you know that there's going to be an odd man out at times. How does that dynamic work? Yeah, I think uh, the most important thing is, again, what's best for the team and uh, I think all three of us are uh, mature enough to understand that. And so, um, you know, we have a really good partnership when we're on the field together and I want to help uh, complement them as much as possible. They've done such an amazing job for this club uh, already and will continue to do so. And, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, from a performance side, it's it's always healthy to have competition. Uh, that's how it always was uh, for me prior, earlier in my career. And Again, I think if you spoke with them, they would say the same thing, but it's about pushing each other and uh, also leaning on each other and, and doing whatever it's going to take to win on the weekend. And so I think uh, you're seeing that and I think it, it gives us good flexibility. And uh, I think we just all have to be uh, professionals and we all have enough experience to do that. And I think that that's worked uh, well so far. And it's a long season in MLS. Everyone knows that um, there's a lot of things that are just unpredictable. Um uh, different competitions that we're playing in. And so uh, I, I don't think that uh, any of us are too concerned about um, exact playing time or minutes or anything like that. Ultimately, we just we need the club to, to do well and to win. And so I think all three of us uh, give the club the opportunity to do so. I know I asked you about this at your first, your kind of introductory press conference too, yeah. but did, did already having a relationship with Dax kind of help ease that transition and kind of understand what the dynamic was going to be like between the three of you guys? Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, I, I made sure that uh, I, I talked to Dax as soon as I possibly could, as soon as things um, were progressing. And um, he just had great perspective about the group on the field, off the field, and, uh, you know, shared how it could look uh, with all three of us. And I think that's what made the Seattle game so special was finally being back on the field with Dax. And, um, you know, all three of us in the midfield, I thought had strong games. And overall, the team just looked really, really good. And, um, I think that just solidified our belief that, uh, you know, we can make this work and be really good together. And, uh, you know, that was a really inspiring performance from the group and uh, gave us some good momentum heading into Minnesota. And then, you know, Dax gets a little sick. And so then you start to see that, um, you know, against Minnesota, against any team across MLS, different things can happen. And so that's where that flexibility uh, comes in handy. But yeah, without a doubt, I spoke to Dax a lot. And, um, you know, he made me feel really confident about the move here and, and how it could work. So he, he played a big part in the recruitment process. So you knew Dax well coming in. You knew Alex and Wheel well from coming yeah. up in the system with him. Since you've gotten here, who have you become particularly close with? Anybody on the team that you've bonded with uh, since arriving? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, hard to pick just one guy. I would say in the beginning, uh, you know, I definitely talk to Teal a lot because we're joining the team at the same time. You know, even Zubek as as well. 
Um, and then I can kind of just go down the line, you know, mm-hmm. um, Eric Miller, um, Danny Lovitz, uh, really everyone uh, gets along really well and easy to talk to. And uh, so, again, that's where preseason is so important because, you know, obviously you're training together, but you're also having meals and you're having meals outside the hotel together. And, um, you know, that goes a long way in starting to understand each other, form those connections. And, um, you know, it's, it's just been a, a really great experience. You know, I can't really stress that enough, but it's a great locker room. Uh, I feel like the staff is, is awesome as well. And just every single day is new for me, which is really exciting. And, uh, you know, that's, again, one of the reasons why I decided to, to take this, um, this step and this new challenge. Yeah, my last question about taking that step, you know, we looked on paper at what Nashville had to overcome to sign you, and there were some barriers there. You were playing for your home club. You were so close to where you grew up, and you were headed to a place, as we've mentioned, with, you know, a couple established people in your position. As you talked with Dax um, and as you evaluated the process, was there a moment when the light switch came on and you thought, in spite of all those things, this is the move for me? And what ultimately drew you to Nashville? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, and again, I touched on a lot of these different reasons in my first press conference. But, uh, you know, I think for me, that first visit uh, in December, um, you know, not really knowing what to expect with the free agency process. It's it's completely new, um, not only to me, but to the league. You know, it, it it's kind of evolving every single year. And so when I look back on it, uh, I, I'm always going to remember that I was one of the first few classes of free agents, which. I thought was interesting. And, um, it's always, I thought it was important for me to test the waters and to get a feel for, you know, um, how other teams felt and if there was an opportunity for me to prove myself elsewhere. And I just thought that Nashville was going to be a really good fit for me, uh, not only in the short term, but also medium term, long term, um, you know, with Red Bull's focus on youth, you know, I just thought that, um, this was a good opportunity for me to try something new and and to find a, a home uh, for hopefully the foreseeable future. So I just thought it was a, a really good next step. And um, I'd like to think that I'm a person who likes to step outside their comfort zone. And, uh, you know, I think this was um, just a perfect move for me. And I think that uh, every single day I feel uh, better and better about it. And, um, you know, just, again, really happy to be here. We interrupt this interview with Sean Davis to bring you the latest word from, of course, our sponsor, and that is ML Rose, the place to watch soccer, to watch any sport, and the place to enjoy extremely tasty craft brews, great juicy burgers, and a location in very close proximity to Geodas Park, where Nashville SC will kick off on May 1st. And I want to tell you again how important it is to find that place that stronghold, that bastion of sports where you can enjoy games, eat good food, and get ready for the match or celebrate a successful one. You know, I think we all expect Nashville SC's attack to ramp up. We expect them to be on the hunt for points when they start that long home stretch they're going to get to enjoy once they finally get to play at home. And you think about it, 17 home matches at home, and they're already going to have knocked out eight on the road. So, going to be a lot of home games and you're going to need a routine just like these players do just like sean davis is going to here as we talk with him and we're here to submit that ml rose is the ideal place to enjoy soccer to get ready for these games and to celebrate these exciting results why is it the place to go we've mentioned the craft beer and the burgers the atmosphere though really is incomparable as well a lot of space 
good bar top area where you can sit, have a bunch of friends stand around and congregate and enjoy. Good spots where you can sit and relax and enjoy a burger in kind of a quieter corner if you want to. There's even a back patio at the 8th Avenue location. Uh, the one near my house, Charlotte Avenue. Lots of space out front as well. Just amazing outdoor patio space. And As the weather gets good, as we finally get rid of this Nashville March crap where it's 70 degrees one day and 35 the next it's time to enjoy outdoor space, and MROs has a lot of that to offer too. So, you know, as we talk with Sean, as we get geared up for what's going to be an extremely exciting bulk of the season ahead, there's still plenty of time to find your destination before May 1st where you're going to go and enjoy soccer when you're not at Jodas Park. And as we've mentioned before as well, we have watch parties there for every road match. So, eight watch parties for the first eight matches of the year. I would say they're going to get tired of us, but they like us. We like them. It's been great to join some supporters groups there. Um, I'm on the call during matches. Tim often out of town during those matches, but I can tell you that Braden Gall is there. And if that's not enough of a draw, and for many of you it won't be. (laughs) Sorry, Braden. The, uh, The beer, the burgers, that is what you should go for as well as the atmosphere. ML Rose. Proud sponsor of the Club and Country podcast, and we are proud to have them sponsor our podcast. Now, let's get back to the interview with John Davis. You mentioned in the past the the private jet coming to pick you up and, and take yeah. you on the visit to Nashville, kind of like that that college recruiting process. I think was is what we talked about before. What what was that experience like, and what did you actually do in Nashville? Obviously, you know it's meeting with with guys like Mike and Ian. But what what yeah. did you get a chance to experience before kind of making that final decision and being like, okay, some of this stuff is really cool. This is what, yeah. what I'm in for. Yeah, it's funny you bring up the private jet, and I, I always went back and forth about you know did I want to bring this up or did I not? You know, <laughs> and uh, but then I just thought about how you know, supportive the club has been, mm-hmm. um, for me. And I think it was a really strong indication. Yes. It's, a you know, a little flashy to, for me personally to talk about. Um, but at the same time, it just shows how serious the club was. And I think that, um, you know, it deserved to be, uh, you know, kind of public knowledge and, um, it, it did mean a lot to me that they would go that far. And, and that was one of the, the benefits of exploring free agency is to really see, how much teams, um, you know, valued me and, and Nashville certainly set the bar extremely high. Uh, but I just remember flying, um, to Nashville with my girlfriend, with, um, with Mike, um, with John Ingram. And, you know, that was the first time I really met an MLS owner, you know, just because, uh, Red Bull has a different approach and philosophy. And so I thought that was really interesting. And to hear about, you know, why he bought the team, uh, how much he cared about the team, and to hear how he travels all the time just to watch the team play away. I thought that was really um, cool and unique and, um, you know, gave me a good feeling about, um, about the club. And then when we finally arrived, yeah, there were, uh, you know, different dinners that we went to different meals, meeting a bunch of different people. Like you guys have heard about, I went to a predators game with Taylor Mm -hmm. Washington and uh, his girlfriend. And so that was really fun. Um, It was in December. So not a lot of guys were around, but, yeah, all in all, just a lot of, uh, you know, even when I was here, I had such a good feeling that we drove around different neighborhoods to um, think about potential places to live as well. Um, so it just was a complete visit. I feel like it checked all the boxes. And, um, you know, I think, you know, you talk about that light switch moment. I think it was just getting here and, um, you know, seeing the attention to detail. And, and that meant a lot to, to me and my girlfriend. 
Yeah, so I'm in I'm in uh, college sports recruiting coverage as, as my day job. So you got family okay. atmosphere, you got <laughs> what yeah. else? the education, you got the yeah. atmosphere. <laughs> um, sure. on, a, on a more serious note, um, what what has Nashville maybe surprised you with as a city, not the not the club itself, but as a city, yeah. what has it surprised you with now that you actually live here and you actually are going through the day to day of, of yeah. being a Nashvilleian? Yeah, I'll start with the bad. Um, so the one <laughs> people thing can't drive I, in the snow. We know it. Okay. <laughs> the one thing I can't get over is how bad the potholes are here. Because I thought <laughs> I was coming from a state where we had. I was told we had the worst potholes in the country, and I think uh, Nashville definitely rivals uh, Jersey in that regard. Um, but outside of that, you know, I think that we've been really happy. Um, you know, and, and it's a little difficult because we're on the road so often, you know, on the weekends when, you know, maybe after a game, you want to go out to dinner, um, um, experience different things. It's a little difficult now because of the travel schedule, but from what we've seen so far in the different neighborhoods and even talking to the guys, there's just so much to do. You know, it's, it's culturally very diverse. Um, and you know, the one difference is that there's not as much mass transportation, but one thing that we really like is that everything feels like it's five, 10 minutes away. So it's super easy. Um, you know, there's Uber that can get us everywhere uh, at a really affordable price. And so there's different coffee shops, there's different um, restaurants. Um, you know, there's guys that live in different neighborhoods that uh, kind of give us the local spots. So we've been, uh, we've even had guests like some family visit us already. And so they've had a really fun time going on food tours and uh, kind of scanning the area for us. Um, so it's just been, um, like I said, a, a really easy transition. There's so much to do. I feel like, you know, it was interesting when I was in uh, New Jersey and, you know, living close to New York, we would have teammates. Uh, I would have teammates that were, you know, from different parts of the country, different parts of the world. And they would always do the tourist attractions. And, you know, that's not something that you know, being from that area, we would partake in that too much. But now I feel like we're really going to be tourists here and go on those food <laughs> tours and um, check out all those uh, spots and go to Broadway. So I still have a, a lot of things to check off the list. Um, but that'll happen in due time when the schedule slows down a little bit. And once we start getting those home games, those home wins and having uh, some time to enjoy on the weekend, but still a lot to explore. Well, good news. My day job is for a tire company, and we sell a tire that comes with pothole protection. So let's talk after this. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hey, can I get your number after this? (laughs) Yeah, let's do it. Hey, so you mentioned, though, all that time on the road, that you still got this this bucket list of Nashville items to knock out because you guys are traveling so much. I know one of the appeals for this club and bringing you in was to have that added veteran presence of somebody who's not going to be phased by something like eight straight matches away from home. But I have to ask you, so many teams use those home matches early in the season as the foundation to build their identity, their confidence, even some of their, you know, tactical approaches. How do you guys seek to build an identity when those formative early season matches for you are the first eight of them are in front of hostile crowds? Yeah, I think uh, you can spin it in a number of different ways. The way that I choose to look at it is it's just a a great opportunity for us to go through some adversity together early on and hoping that that will, you know, serve as the foundation for us as we head into home games and a more uh, regular MLS schedule. But, you know, as a new player, it's great to go through these different moments on the road because, again, I get to spend more time with the group um in hostile environments in difficult places to play and there's no better way to improve as a team in my opinion and become closer as a team than to go through uh, a road stretch like this you know that's what i'm learning so far and 
you know, when I think about the the games that we've played so far, I would say three out of the four have been strong performances. Mm-hmm. Um, as I mentioned earlier, it's it's about getting the results. I think we'll look back at the Dallas one and be a little frustrated with how we played. Um, but even then, I think you're seeing that Dallas is a strong team. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, those, I think three to have three pretty strong performances, I think that's promising. And I think that's something that um, we can look towards and feel good about. Um, but again, it, for these next four games on the road, I think that um, we're eager to pick up more points. And, you know, that's part of our development as a team is finding a way to get these uh, road results. Speaking to your own personal approach, looked back through your career records here, and the longest road trip you'd ever taken in which you played in all three games was just three matches, as I as I just referenced, 2018, yeah, 2021. Yourself. I did, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so for you personally, what are your tricks for prepping your body and your mind for a grind like that? Is there anything specific that you're eating, any parts of your routine, any mental work that you're doing to try to yeah. get you ready for such a long stretch? Yeah, I mean, personally, like during – I've learned over the years how to eat better, uh, for sure, doing a lot of research and reading on – you know, what to put into my body and what not to. And I think that that's helped. I think sleep is like the biggest thing uh, for sure is, is having a consistent sleep schedule and maximizing um, the amount of sleep you can get. I think it's, uh, you know, something that's new about this road trip is the different time zones. That's a little bit unique, you know, like when we went to Seattle and then we went, when we went to uh, Utah. Uh, So that's a a new challenge uh, for me, but Again, I have to say that the team is really on top of the details, you know, whether that's um, getting us the right products and pillows for the flights and getting us the right supplements so that we can sleep better and doing just a a lot of research, um, trying to find any edge possible. I've been really impressed with that. Um, But yeah, in terms of the games themselves, you know, I think taking care of your body while at training, you know, we have a full-time masseuse, which is really nice and not every team has that. So I think that's really helpful working with the staff, um, you know, with whether that's weights or, um, with, you know, simple things like stretching, I think that's been great. So really we have all the tools that we could possibly need for me personally. It's just about doing everything possible to feel as fresh uh, as you can for the games. And, and that's worked out well, but it's really about using the time away from the field the right way. And, you know, that's where it's like trying to get the balance right of exploring a new city, but at the same time, um, doing everything that, that I can to be prepared for the game. That's really, that's the most important thing. So I think that's worked well so far, but you know, every single game you have to reset and refocus and, um, be prepared to, to go for a, uh, for a result on the weekend. That's the most important thing. You have not played a home game in Nashville SC Colors, but nobody on your team has played in the new park. How excited yeah. are you for that day? And what are you expecting? Obviously, Red Bull Arena is is a one, you know, one of the cathedrals of the game mm-hmm. in, in this country. But I think a lot of people expect um Geodis Park to kind of p- possibly be even more impressive than some yeah. of those. Yeah, without a doubt. And I think uh, you know, I talking about my recruitment last year, I'll always remember that last regular season game. That was the first time that I played it in, in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, and that regular, that final regular season game, there was a lot on the line for both teams, but um, we were at Nissan and it was just packed. And I love the energy of the crowd. And, um, you know, I could just feel, uh, you know, really good vibes from everyone, you know, and, the energy in the stadium was, was unbelievable. And I can't wait to experience that at home um, in a new stadium. Again, something that I can experience uh, with the team for the first time. And I think we're all looking forward to that. I know that we have uh, four games until that point, and, and these four games are huge for us. But 
it's going to be great having so many home games and that goes a long way in MLS, as you know. And so we, we'd love to make that a fortress. We're going to have to work for it, of course, but um, I think that sets up really well for us for the remainder of the season. The Salt Lake loss had to be maybe bittersweet, mostly bitter because you wanted to take points away from yeah. it, obviously, and weren't able to. But the performance was one of the better road performances, not just by this team, but by any road team in Major League Soccer so far this season. Does that serve to then give you confidence as you head to these next four, the stretch against Columbus and moving forward? Um, or is it is it so much of a downer where you're looking back and thinking about what might have been? How does that how does that work mentally as you yeah. now had almost a couple of weeks to sit and stew on that? Right. Yeah. So especially when there's an international break, you always want to make sure that you have a strong performance before heading into that break, just because, you know, you'll have a lot of time in between without a game to, to rebound. And so I think, again, from a results uh, standpoint, it was disappointing not to pick up points there. Um, but you do have to keep in mind that when you think about places like um, Real Salt Lake, it's one of the more difficult places to play in the league. And I think to, for us to have as strong of a performance as as we did, I think it gives the group um, confidence. Uh, again, we have the monkey on our back with set pieces, as I'm sure you guys know, and um, it hurts to give up. I, I mean, we trained so hard on set pieces and we put so much time into it. And now I think it's just about the players executing uh, when we're on the field. But um, all in all, to create so many good scoring chances, um, to use a, a new formation uh, that we hadn't played in a competitive game uh, so far this season and to have success with that, I think that's really promising as well. So again, uh, I know I always spin things in a positive light, <laughs> but I think it gives us a certain amount of momentum heading into this next game. And um, it's really important for us to have a strong performance then. I want to ask you really quickly about the set pieces. After the Minnesota game, Gary mentioned, okay, it was kind of a fluky set piece goal. Don't yeah. worry about it. It's not the same thing as last year. Right. But as it, as it builds a little bit, do you start yeah. to get worried even as a guy who didn't participate it, participate in the struggles last year? Or is it something that you're kind of saying, okay, the way these happen is kind of fluky. It, it'll be fine as long as we just go out and execute. Yeah, I think when, you know, I think first of all, it's, it's really nice to know that we're not conceding much from the run of play. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the first thing. Uh, secondly, for me, my outlook, thinking about it right now is just trying to do my job on the day and um, trying to make sure that I handle, you know, my role and my responsibility. Uh, I think that's, uh, the most we can do right now is every guy just doing their job. And it sounds simple. It sounds cliche, but I think that's where, where we're at right now. And yeah, it is, uh, something that we all think about. And I think that we just have to, again, have the, the right level of alertness and we have to understand how dangerous and how dangerous set pieces can be for the other team and how much their other teams are focusing on it now, because they know they're not going to get much from the run of play and they're really putting everything possible into these uh, set pieces. So how can we concede less set pieces? How do we concede less corners foul less, um, you know, in our half of the field? Um, you know, those are all things that come into play. And so unfortunately everything's under the, the microscope right now and it's on us to figure it out. You mentioned everybody has to do their jobs relating to set pieces, but when it comes more generally to what happens on the pitch, you've got a couple jobs out there as a two-way central mid. You know, you're know, yeah. you thinking about defensive solidity, led Major League Soccer in interceptions last year, as we referenced, but also you're that missing link in a lot of ways of connecting the defensive midfield to the attack. With that in mind, how do you describe your game? If you're giving a sentence or two elevator pitch to clubs, maybe pitching yourself in a free agency <sighs> process, yeah. what is your game? 
Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I, you know, trying to think about it right now, I would just say that uh, ultimately I'm a player that's that's trying to help the team in, in any way possible. I think that um, I can complement uh, pretty much any group of, of midfielders and kind of find my role um, to make the players around me uh, better and try to free them up as much as possible, whether that means putting in more of a um, – a shift defensively. I'm happy to do that. If it means getting on the ball more um, and, and getting the ball to our creative players, I'm happy to do that as well. But really uh, I'm just always trying to find a way to help the team um, in any way possible. And, you know, one of my assets is covering ground. And so if I can um, do that in a way that helps the team on either side of the ball, I'm, I'm happy to do that. And I'll run myself into the ground for the group uh, for as long as I possibly can. So I think uh, I, I'd like to be known as a two-way player. I think in order to for that to be the case, I have to continue to, to help the team um, in the final third, uh, which is part of my game that I, I think I can continue to work on. But, um, you know, really, I think it's uh, it's it's nice being here and, and having more of a focus uh, with the ball. Um, you know, I think for so many years, uh, one of my strengths has really become an against the ball player. But, um, you know, there's a, a heavy focus on controlling games with the ball here. And I, I really enjoy that challenge. And I think it's going to help me improve as a player. Running yourself into the ground must be something they teach uh, up in Harrison. Since obviously, I think <laughs> most people would say Alex Muil and Dax both yeah. both are are pretty keen. For on that sure, well. yeah, exactly. So I'm just trying to uh, yeah maintain that rep for us. How did being a captain for the last couple seasons adjust your mentality on the pitch? Even though you're not the club's captain here, what did that yeah. do to change your outlook? Yeah, I think it. Um, again, I talked about stepping out of my comfort zone. Um, when I was in New York, I think this was just the kind of logical next step for me um, was to, to lead the group, especially with the departures we had that year. And, um, you know, at first it was definitely a new experience for me. Uh, I had to grow into the role. And really the only way to do that, I think, is to go through different experiences. And so going through, we went through one or two games in 2020 and then unfortunately COVID hit. Um, but then going through the COVID process and the different calls, I think it all pushed me um, to become a better leader and I think find find out more about myself. And so the last two years when I was captain of, uh, at the club, it was a huge honor, especially for my hometown team. I definitely put a lot of pressure on myself, um, but uh, in my opinion, it was a healthy pressure. And, you know, by the end, I felt really natural as a leader for the group and connected really well with the group and the, the coaching staff. And, you know, I think that that helps, um, you know, it gives me a lot of confidence when I reflect on that time. And when I'm transitioning to a new team, I think that um, it's really helped me uh, through preseason, through these first few games, have belief in myself and what I can bring to this group. Oh, every kid dreams, probably. I won't say every kid. Most kids dream of, of growing up to be a pro athlete. You are somebody who has met that bar. You are perhaps not the most famous member of your immediate family. <laughs> what is that like for you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I told this story um, before too, but it's funny, like the, this last off season going out to dinner with, uh, you know, my dad, my mom, my brother and my mom, you know, I feel like there's eyes on us, but really it's just <laughs> on my mom and kids will go up to our table and, you know, of course, my ego thinks they're coming up to take a picture with me, but it's really for my mom. And so it's a humbling experience for sure. And, you know, I'm just really happy. My my brother's like kind of the brains behind the operation. And, um, you know, I'm just happy that my mom and brother share that and that they're able to spend so much time together. And 
that it's really grown into something uh, super special for, for not only them, but for all of us. And so we're huge supporters of the channel. And yeah, the goal is to have them here in Nashville, um, get into some restaurants, get some videos in, create some content. So <laughs> we're working with uh, with our team here. And um, eventually when the stadium opens up, hopefully we'll, we'll have them um, to quite a few games. We so appreciate your time today. I'll close with one quick, uh, another off the field question. We all know yeah. the real reason that Mike wanted you here was to have another Duke Blue Devil to gang up on Dax. Is, is <laughs> yeah. there it, is there any too, trash right? talk between Duke and UNC during basketball season? Oh, without a doubt, we were uh, when we played Real Salt Lake this last game. That was the day that UNC almost blew the twenty five point lead against uh, I think Baylor. Yeah, and you know I tried to play it cool and I just put it on his radar that hey, you know Baylor's coming back. And, uh, um, I guess, unfortunately, North Carolina still won, but, um, yeah, I think it's just, uh, a, a fun relief. I mean, that goes back to when we were in New York together. And so, um, that'll never change. It'll be, uh, surprising if that, if that were to change, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of trash talk in the locker room, healthy trash talk. Well, Sean, we really appreciate your time today. Best of luck now heading back from the grind, back to the grind up in yeah. Columbus this weekend. And we will catch up with you another time. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for having me. And yeah, look forward to chatting again in the future.